Hey everybody, just a quick note before we get started because this is a long episode. It's almost an hour because it's Cryptid Royale and we had some really cool stuff to cover. This is just a quick reminder that if you do like us to share the podcast around, let us know on Twitter, let us know on Instagram. We are at CryptidsDecrypted on Instagram or it's just me at RealMattCashton on Twitter. Send us suggestions and, you know, I mean, hey, tell us if you don't like things too. We won't do them again, but we really appreciate you listening. That's all I got. Enjoy Cryptid Royale! Here we are, episode 10, season 2, Cryptids Decrypted. We're going back to one of our favorite formulas that we've only done once. We're doing Cryptid Royale, which means that that marks the end of season 2. So we're going to be taking a break after this episode. But we figured, you know what, let's do another grab bag. Good God, we made it. Holy shit. I know. It's been a year. We've had we've had a whole year of Has it only been a year? Has it only been a year? It feels like it's been five. The last I know, three months it does. have felt like years themselves. Yeah. And you know, so we've had we've had a lot of crazy shit over this year, and I actually so I have to address one thing um that I, I honestly never saw coming. And this is pretty wild, but we had to take one of our episodes down. Uh, a while oh back, God. I interviewed the director of the Mutual UFO Network. His name was uh, Jan Harzen, and it turns out that he's a pedophile. So he was caught soliciting sex from underage girls. And, you know, obviously Cryptids Decrypted doesn't fuck with that because gross, horrible human being. And uh, so, yeah, that episode's been taken down. You can't find it anywhere. So if you're wondering where it went, that's why it's gone. Uh, we we just we don't fuck with people like that. It's not what we do. So a sincere fuck Jan Harzen. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I'm not making any jokes. There's a lot of low hanging fruit there, but that's a subject and a topic that I'm not. Yeah, I'll be honest, man. I think that I think personally, I'm done with the the UFO community because it's not. And it's not everybody, right? But like the people who are high up, specifically MUFON, this is the third directorial change that they've had to undergo. One person was ousted for being a racist. There was another in- instance of child pornography and now Jan. So it's it's just like, you know, I think you get too close crossing those conspiracy streams together and bad shit happens. What does that tell us about Tom DeLonge, though? God, I... Yeah, well, I hope I get to continue enjoying Angels and Airwaves because they're coming out with new stuff and that's been great. Ooh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that and then I get my Alkaline Trio version of Blink-182. But, you know, anyways, that's off topic. So what is Cryptid Royale? Uh, Cryptid Royale is where we take uh, some lesser known and more known myths and we break down four of them in one episode rather than a traditional history of the mystery where we go super in-depth on one myth. Uh, I know that some people don't believe we go super in-depth on one myth. You know, Rob Lowe, I see you uh, leaving those fake reviews. You know, buddy, it's okay. He you can come on the podcast. We poop. can clear the air. We can make it happen. Stop eating poop, Rob Lowe. Yeah, I'd rather eat poop. I will get t-shirts made. They're coming. If you've been paying attention to our Instagram that John has been running, uh, we've been posting some secretive images. John? Yeah, what about it? <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> you were running images on the cryptids that we're running. Uh, they'll be running the week up to this episode. Uh, we have them all keyed up. Ashton, you're doing great with the graphic design. Uh, yeah, hopefully people have commented, but uh, I'm very proud of our Instagram following so far. We've got, you know, over 100 followers and some hey, people man. comment, some people don't, but yeah, we're, we're killing it, man. 
I should comment more on our Instagram. You know, one of these days we'll get a Twitter going or something like that too. But as of no, right we got now, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter's for old people, dude. That's where boomers tweet. Look at our president. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, at real Mac Ashton on Twitter, if you want to harass us on that platform, <laughs> that's the place to do it right now. Oh, there was one more thing. Uh, what was it? Oh yeah. I just wanted to say that we're like, we're at 8,000 listens for the podcast right now. So we, we, you know, we can get ourselves up to 10,000 before the start of season three with our current run rate. So help us get there, share us around without further ado. I mean, let's, let's get into this episode of cryptid Royale, where we're doing a theme of cryptids of America. Just a reminder. This is the last episode before we go off the rails. Yeah, that's a a good point. Season three is going to be off the rails. We're going to do weird shit. You know, we'll talk a bit about that at the end. We've got some some fun ideas. But the four cryptids we're covering today, and if and if you've been following the Instagram, you will have seen their silhouettes pop up. Two of them are on our logo, so it's about it's about damn time. We're going to be covering Jackalope, Tessie, the Hodag, and Mothman. And I'm going to kick us off with the Jackalope. Ashton, tell me about the Jackalope. The, the ja- man. So this is a myth that I've I've heard a lot about, and I've definitely seen. You know, images of it. I've seen the mounted heads when you know we would go on a road trip as a kid or something like that because they're they're kind of everywhere. It's it's a big, it's actually a big business. Now this might seem obvious, but its name is a combination of antelope and jackrabbit. You know, for obvious reasons. Although weirdly, jack a deer kind of does seem more apt because its horns actually did come from a deer originally. Now they're most commonly sighted in Wyoming, Colorado, and Nebraska. Uh, but there have been some sightings in Europe, which means that there might be a quote-unquote cousin creature over there. But realistically, this myth is America's Fiji mermaid. And if you don't know what a Fiji mermaid is, that is basically back in the day to fool tourists, uh, there was a head of a monkey sewn on to a fish and kind of taxidermied together to look like a mermaid, and they would display these. I know that Ripley's, believe it or not, tends to have one in every museum. I'm sure P.T. Barnum had one on display at some point. But the jackalope feels a lot like that because it is the result of basically bad taxidermy or purposefully bad taxidermy. And while there are some jackalope sightings, I think for the most part, this myth is definitely a business, which has come to has, has come to be true with a couple of the American myths we've looked at. I know that for sure, like the Loveland Frog... Like these do seem to be regional myths that have a single location that they originate from and that one place makes a shit ton of money on it. Interesting. Yeah, that'll definitely come back in uh, both of the cryptids we're going to cover later. Nice. So this one specifically comes from two brothers living in Wyoming, uh, Doug and Ralph Herrick. Uh, So Ralph was a taxidermist. And see if you can start to follow the clues here. Apparently they had been out hunting and they had a jackrabbit and there was a pair of antlers in the garage next to it, and they threw the jackrabbit down because they were just leaving it, and they were going to come deal with it later, and then came back, and they were like, hmm, you know, maybe we should just leave that the way it is. Uh, The quote, gosh, I read this from, so Doug died in 2003, and I actually purchased a New York Times subscription so that I could read this damn article because I'm out of free articles this month, so you're welcome, listeners. Uh, The quote was, we just throwed the dead jackrabbit in the shop when we come in and slid it on the floor up against a pair of deer horns we had in there. It looked like that rabbit had horns on it. 
And there you go. Like, that, that is how you get one of the most famous American myths. Uh, they sold the original jackalope to a hotel in Wyoming. And it's, I believe it's still there. But from there, the legend spread. And then they actually started, They uh, Wyoming trademarked the name jackalope. They, gosh, how many did they sell? It, I, I don't have the exact number of how many they sell, but it's like, hundreds a year and they're still making them and they wyoming itself sells jackalope hunting passes where like to obtain one you have to prove that you have an iq higher than 50 but no more than 72 and the hunting is only permitted on june 31st from midnight to 2 a.m interesting so june 31st isn't a day hey i mean if you have an iq between 50 and 72 it might be uh I mean, like that's that's like a uh, that's such a it's such a weird, great touristy thing to sell. Like we just have these very specific hunting passes that you can't get, uh, which I kind of get it. The city of Douglas, Wyoming, which I believe is where the original jackalope was created, has the slogan "Home of the Jackalope." We know Jack. <laughs> yep, God, yep. That's so that's wrong. pretty good. But you know, this wouldn't be uh, cryptids decrypted if I didn't try and find some sightings. And there's like a lot of anecdotal crap of like, ah, I think I saw one out in the woods, which is granted, that's a lot of cryptids. But I ended up finding uh, this wonderful, weird live journal style site that talked about the ancient origins. And it said that the ancients knew these creatures as deer bunnies. And it wasn't until much later that the more fearsome name of jackalope came about. And it is written that you can extract the jackalope's milk as it sleeps belly up at night. The milk is believed to be medicinal and can be used to treat a variety of afflictions. The truth is, these creatures are aggressive and unpredictable and should not be provoked for any reason. I mean, it's a it's a fucking jackrabbit with tiny deer horns. Okay, you, to be you, fair, you could probably punt that pretty good. I, uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Have you seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? That's a fair point, and that rabbit didn't have horns. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that rabbit's aggression. With yeah. horns that could impale people. Or, I mean, are they pointy horns or are they like rams where he, like, charges them? They're literally deer horns. Oh, okay. Well, he could impale a lot of people once with that, depending on yeah. how old it is. Yeah, I mean, if it, and jackrabbits get cooking, you know? Mm-hmm. They, they get going pretty fast. Um, a lot of people have talked about uh, Doug and Ralph Herrick and their father and actually said that they they kind of did this taxidermy myth to, to cover up for the real thing, which, again, also a theme that we've seen a little bit. But they've come out and said that their father... The, the, so the story goes that their father had seen a jackalope and came back and told them about it as kids. And I believe both the brothers ended up saying that that story was bullshit by the time they died. But there is some real basis for this myth and that is there are pictures from the 1500s of rabbits that look like they have horns but scientists actually suspect that this was a rare form of disease that caused horn-like tumors so much more horrifying uh that these rabbits just grew giant tumors out of their heads and they were photographing it for medical purposes so that could have led to some of the the sightings that come before the Douglas Brothers taxidermy. There is also, at some point, Buddha mentioned a horned rabbit, I guess. and But apparently even Buddha didn't believe it existed. It was more of like a metaphor. 
So scratch that. And that's that's pretty much it, honestly, on the jackalope. It's a pretty thin myth. It is definitely used to drum up tourism in Wyoming. And, I, you know, people still say they see it. I'll probably incorporate it in a Nick Ventner adventure at some point because, you know, why not? Moving right along, John, tell us, uh, tell us about our second great American myth, Tessie. Uh, so Tahoe Tessie is a dinosaur that lives in Lake Tahoe. All right, right back to you on the hoe day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so Tahoe Tessie, Tessie, uh, the name comes from the Loch Ness Monster Nessie. It's kind of uh, North America's version of that. Lake Tahoe is the deepest freshwater lake in the U.S., I believe. Um, tenth deepest in the world. Uh, it resides between Nevada and California. Um, huge lake. Lots of tourists go there every year. It's a huge site for like Pac-12 schools for spring break and those types of things. It's 22 miles long, 12 miles wide, and it's 1,600 feet deep. So about a half a mile deep. Um, Tessie dates back to the Washu and Paiute tribes in the mid-19th centuries. Um, They theorized that this creature resides in an underwater tunnel in Lake Tahoe. Uh, Tessie is described between 10 to 80 feet long. Large serpentine body, wide across as a barrel, allegedly, with dark reptilian skin. Now, Tessie has been sighted a number of times throughout the years. But it's very um, interesting because it's a lot like Loch Ness where people see the head of it and it just darts around. And it's I have have a few things that I want to call bullshit on, but we'll get there in a second. So we had Native Americans sighting it in the mid-19th century. And then in the 1950s, we have kind of our first reported sighting. Two off-duty police officers, similar to the Loveland Frog, question mark, about the same time, it was cops that saw that one, uh, were partying on the lake, they were off-duty, where they saw a black hump rise. Um, They were water skiing and doing those types of things, and this black hump kept speed with the boat, going over 60 miles per hour. That's faster than, like, most most aquatic cryptids. Thank you. Not only most aquatic cryptids, but we're talking a ski boat in the 1950s. It's hard to get a boat to go 60 miles an hour today. You're telling me they had that technology? That's just horseshit. I believe they saw something. I don't believe it was going 60 miles an hour. I mean, even the Megalodon has a max speed of 35, mm-hmm. according according to research. Yeah. it's it, There's just a lot there that I, yeah, I don't know. I, and I attribute that to they were skiing. In Lake Tahoe, they were probably drinking. They did not know how, how fast they were going. But anyway, another interesting thing about Lake Tahoe, before I continue, because it, it features into this next one. Lake Tahoe was apparently a huge mob graveyard in like the 1920s. Uh, apparently <laughs> Godfather 2 had a feature there at the end of the movie. Um, where, yeah, apparently the mob dumped shitloads of bodies in Lake Tahoe that because the depths of it is so cold doesn't deal with gas expansion so the bodies don't rise to the top that's horrifying in the mid-1970s Jacques Cousteau brought a mini submarine to the lake and did a bunch of dives and research there when he finally came up he basically said the world isn't ready for what's down there and then to the day he died never released anything from his expeditions now I come back to like maybe it's you know, a mob graveyard, and he saw a bunch of bodies, and he's like, I can't deal with that. 
or he saw some shit down there, like a giant serpentine creature. Wow, that's that's wild. I have never heard about that, and that is actually that is a very interesting myth right there. Yeah. Like, the fact that Jacques Cousteau dove in Lake Tahoe and didn't say anything about it, that guy blew a hole in the Great Barrier Reef. Like, he's done shady shit. shit. It's crazy. It's crazy. There's, yeah, Tessie's really, really interesting, man. And those, those underwater interdimensional tunnels, they're, they're, they're pretty crazy. Um, Oh yeah, we talked about those with David George Gordon. That was, uh, he, we know all about the underground tunnels. So in the winter of 1979, off the dock at Homewood, a creature was feeding on a school of large trout. People saw this creature and said it was, quote, big as a tentpole. In the mid-1980s, two fishermen reported seeing a 15-foot-long serpent pass underwater by Cave Rock. Now, Cave Rock is where the natives in the, in the mid-1900s theorized this underwater tunnel um, where Tessie lives. Also in the 1980s, two divers found an underwater cave, again, near Cave Rock, where a large creature allegedly shot out and then they saw two giant fin marks from where it was. In 1984, two hikers native to Tahoe City saw the creature swimming. They were hiking around and they saw a big mound that quickly disappeared. In the 1990s, a kayaking or a kayaking instructor saw something looking like a kayak by his students. The kayak flipped and sank. And I'm like, come on, man, at least try here. Like it just flipped over and sank. And then he looked around and none of his students were missing. Everybody was fine. In 2004, a bartender on a boat on Lake Tahoe, bartender was off duty. So, you know, he wasn't shucking his duties, uh, took a picture of the creature's head as it swam by. And then in 2006, a family vacationing near Tahoe saw a large black scale looking dinosaur creature. Hmm. Uh, Theories have this being potentially a dinosaur, but... The counter to that is Lake Tahoe was created by the Ice Age. So it's not like this creature was already in Lake Tahoe before everything went to shit and it, it stayed there. Um, people also think that there are underwater tunnels because there's a big lake in Nevada that people theorize is connected via underwater tunnels because they had a lot of, you know, the mob's bodies wash up there. But the counter to that is these washed over into, I believe it's called the Truckee River because of flooding and then was connected that way. Oh man, I like this myth. I like this one a lot. This is a really good one. Tessie, here's another interesting thing. Tessie appears around June in even numbered years. So if you look at it, we have 1984, 2004, 2006, and then the other ones are just the 1980s. We do have 1979 in the wintertime. So I don't know how accurate that one is, but I mean, it is fascinating. You wouldn't be water skiing on Lake Tahoe outside of the summer. So that accounts for the two cops. So I find that fascinating. And then the last thing that kind of goes back to what you had mentioned about the jackrabbit and Wyoming really capitalizing on it. Tessie has become the logo for a ton of Tahoe based businesses and companies. Uh, Even more so Tessie is, in a, like a cartoon version of Tessie is in a lot of children's books and those types of things where it's really proliferated through the culture of Lake Tahoe in Northern California. Wow. 
So it's crazy. My family has a cabin at Lake Tahoe, and I've been multiple times, and I, I don't think I've ever read about Tessie. And it's wild because that's, as as a you know child Ashton, that is right. Like, that is such a cool fucking myth. I <laughs> like, knew nothing about Tessie until I started researching. And then, dude, it was quite the uh, the jackalope hole. I mean, that's that's so much better than some of the other myths that we've gone into. Like, fucking mob bodies? Jacques yeah. Cousteau? That, the myth has everything. It's pretty awesome, man. I I Damn. thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, just wait, shit. Just, dude. Just wait till we get to Mothman. Uh, yeah, I know. Now I feel like now Mothman. I feel like I have these two bottom of the barrel myths. <laughs> yeah, no, we uh we definitely blew our load on Tessie and Mothman. We we could have held these and done a full episode. We should we should revisit these. Yeah, we could absolutely revisit them. I want to look up more shit about mob graveyards. Throw it in, <laughs> throw it in on the list. Season three off the rails. We we just return to we do our greatest hits, dude. What I don't understand is I thought the Godfather took place in Chicago. Didn't didn't Godfather one take place on the East Coast? I, you know I, I think I've only seen the first Godfather, which I've heard is a, is a crime. But yeah, it's a it's a fictional New York mafia. So that's where I'm confused why they were in Lake Tahoe and why I'm starting to wonder. Like I don't know. I need to I need to do. Godfather Part 2, Lake Tahoe. Oh, yeah. No, that's Lake Tahoe. Huh. Lake Tahoe House, yeah. I... Holy shit. It, hey, if you want the uh, the Godfather Part 2, Lake Tahoe House, it's uh, up for $5.5 5 So. Oh, well, you know, with all the money we're making on this podcast, we might as well. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where Fredo died. Okay, yeah, that does make sense. I knew it was you, Fredo. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, I haven't even seen the movie, and I know that. Uh... So why don't you tell me about the Hodag? The Hodag. Fuck, man. God, following, so following Tessie with this <laughs> this cheese curd lizard. Ugh. Well, let's talk about the Hodag. This totally cool myth. Um, so this is this is basically the official cryptid of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, if not Wisconsin General. And it's uh, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, is up near. The middle area, the middle top area of Wisconsin. So, you know, think probably pretty cold in the winter, uh, you know, warm mission in the summer. Uh, it was originally constructed as a lumber town because it was close to a river and had, you know, a fuckload of trees. And, you know, so basically they settled as a lumber town. And that's important for the Hodag myth in a minute. But like, just to... Think about it in modern times right now. This Hodag, like, they have a statue at the Chamber of Commerce, which is actually what I used to create the silhouette for our mystery cryptid profile of it. And it's it's just a huge, like, oh, God. It's, so it's like it's almost like a Chinese dragon. It looks a lot like uh, the Luck Dragon in NeverEnding Story a little bit, but, like, less dog-like. I mean, it's cute. It is, it is kind of cute in the big statue they have. Uh, it's got a flat face with massive saber-tooth-style tusks, two big horns on its head like an ox, and then it's got spines running down, it, like a long body and a tail. But unlike, uh, I don't know, unlike a lot of dragons, it really it reminds me of the Chinese dragons because it has uh, four legs that kind of look like dog legs almost, and then it has a long tail that comes off the back. Some say it can breathe fire, uh, and most... Most people say that you can spot it because it stinks, which is another thing that is super common among cryptids is they all smell fucking terrible. So Okay, but what what wild animal doesn't smell terrible? Like now I'm curious. Like what wild animal do you smell and you're like, "Man, that's L'Oreal right there." 
<laughs> it's like, oh, like, no, maybe maybe it's a jackrabbit, maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. That's that's orchid explosion. Because <laughs> uh, that's a Palm Springs reference, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, By the uh, way, the watch Palm style. Springs, guys. That movie's yeah. great. Fucking love Palm Springs. Oh, so good. Okay, so this myth has a long and storied history with some people even claiming to see pictographs of it from the Native Americans. So they say that there are there are paintings of the Hodag. Um, but I I didn't really find any evidence of that, which, you know, makes sense when you hear how this kind of came into being. So this really started to catch on uh, when it was featured in a Paul Bunyan story way back in the day. But the legend of the Hodag no goes shit. like this. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Um, I, I feel like there's a reason Paul Bunyan's problematic and I can't remember it right now. But uh, I'm just going to put a, put a cliff note there. Apologies if Paul Bunyan's problematic. So the legend of the Hodag says that it was once an ox helping the local lumberjacks because they had fuckloads of trees, which means they needed fuckloads of oxen to move them. And this was understandably pretty hard work. And back in the day, people were not so kind-minded about the way they treated animals, you know? They were like, this is a beast of burden that's going to work until it dies. So lumberjacks didn't treat it much other than a beast of burden, so it eventually died from tugging fuckloads of logs and then was reincarnated as a vicious spirit. The story goes that the, the hodag came for revenge after it was killed, killing other oxen and dogs uh, because apparently it didn't want to start with the lumberjacks, which... I don't know, it doesn't sound like a very good vengeful spirit, but eventually it did come back and kill the lumberjacks, but I guess it started with their animals first. Dude, like, what? what is greater revenge if you are just a just spiteful spirit than leaving somebody for last and killing everything they love and care about? Yeah, it just doesn't her. make sense it would kill the other oxen, you know? Like, they were buds. They were, but, I mean, dude, revenge makes people do crazy things. Uh... And go go nuts. And if, hey, if those lumberjacks cared about those oxen in any way, shape, or form. That's a good point. It's basically John Wick, but in the 1800s with oxen. Yeah. But anyway, John Wick. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more hodags were created in this process. I'm not quite sure how that worked, but apparently something about the hodag killing other oxen made more hodags. So it's a know? zombie. Or a yeah. vampire. Yeah. Vampire like oxen? a it's got something maybe it's got like komodo dragon saliva i don't know god damn it uh <laughs> so it's a chupacabra yeah basically uh so as with a lot of cryptids that we've talked about from the 1800s somebody spotted it and it kicked off a cryptid hunting frenzy the rhinelander newspaper published an article saying it had been spotted and soon there was hodag fever According to one story, a group of people, so, you know, what happened with a lot of these is, I think this happened with the Thunderbirds, too. People post something and be like, hey, there's this weird creature. And the first instinct of an 1800s male is to say, let's go kill that thing with as many guns as we have. So a bunch of people from Wisconsin went out looking for this hodag, and they apparently brought, you know, rifles, dogs, you know, helicopters. Maybe not that, but like, they, I guess, had to resort to dynamite eventually. So the story is a little fuzzy, but it says that they did find it. And then they ended up dynamiting it so bad that it was just a charred remnant of the corpse. And they took pictures of that and sent those in to identify it. So that's the first the first instance of killing a hodag. But I don't know about you. So the hodag's supposed to be about seven feet. 
I'm shaking my head right now because, yeah, mob fever and they use dynamite and... Hey, you know, pioneers, man. Man. You gotta go dynamite some hodags. I, I mean, will I say this. I use that turn of phrase all the time. Now I know where it comes from. <laughs> I got other hodags to dynamite. You know, I'm busy. Hodag fever is a great name for a band. Oh, God, yeah. Hodag fever. Mm. The official cryptids decrypted band. Anyways, so that's the first instance. They send those pictures in, you know, whoop-de-doo. The real story, I think, begins with Eugene Shepard. And depending on who you ask, there are a few versions of who Eugene Shepard is. There are some people that say he's like, he was a hunter, uh, or that, you know, he was just like a, a bankroller. But really, who he was, he was a practical joker. But in this story, he claimed to have captured a hodag with the help of several bear wrestlers, which was a profession, and knocked it unconscious rather than killing it by using chloroform at the end of a very long stick. Okay. okay. Well, at least he's a bear wrestler, so he knows how to handle himself, and that's yeah, just ingenuity you know, right there. Yeah, I mean, like, better than dynamite chloroform on the end of a long stick. You gotta do what you gotta do. But he got uh, pictures of it, right? Yes, yeah, so they didn't kill it, right? They just knocked it out. And then, better than pictures. So he brings it back and displays it at a county fair. Of course, in a very dark tent. Because, you know, does this sound like anybody we know? Like a like a P.T. Barnum, perhaps? Uh, somebody who thinks a sucker is born every day and there's good money and showing people weird shit? Like, this is pretty common for for that time period where people are just, like, showcasing oddities in very dark rooms because people want to see weird things. Hey, if people are satisfied, they're not wasting their money. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and here comes the connection to Paul Bunyan, because Shepard was a known humorist and practical joker before this, and loved to retell the stories of Paul Bunyan, specifically adding to them in the telling to contribute to their larger-than-life nature. So he's really like a showman and already enjoys legends. So anyways, he displays this creature in the dark, about 185 pounds, 7 feet long, and lizard-like, which doesn't kind of looks like the hodag in the like in front of the Chamber of Commerce, but which is, is theoretically based on this hodag, but it gets some attention. And scientists from Washington, D.C. want to come see this unique specimen. And Eugene gives up the game immediately and admits that he's like, well, actually, I, I sculpted it out of wood and I used wires to make it move. <laughs> and that's why it was in the dark. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so oh, Jesus. the world's first like manual animatronic, or I guess it's just a puppet at that point. A marionette, but, yeah. The myth did not die with that debunking. And that's a pretty thorough debunking when the person who, who brings it in says, this is, this is a puppet, guys. But some locals, you know, they still go out hunting for it. Uh, you know, the Hodag even technically ran for president in 2016 with the slogan, make vacations great again. But many Wisconsinites actually do believe that it hides out there in the woods outside of Rhinelander. And I looked for sightings. I didn't find many. Mostly, again, it's just locals claiming it exists similar to the jackalope, which makes sense because there's really good money in saying that your local legend exists. That's a lot of merchandise. Totally makes sense to me. I did find a YouTube video of a quote-unquote mushroom hunter who found a hodag. He said that he was out in the woods and came upon it, and it was apparently snapping. It, it almost the way he describes it almost sounds like it was dancing and it was up on three of its legs and had one hand snapping. And then there was another hodag that was in the process of giving birth in an anthill 
and he wanted to help the baby Hodag that was covered in ants, but it looked like it was too far gone and he had already pissed his pants. So how many mushrooms had he eaten? Um, because he described the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland on three yeah. legs and snapping. Like, oh what? man, that's actually what the Hodag looks like though. The Hodag totally looks like the Cheshire cat. I will post the link to the video in the description and also on Twitter and whatever, because it's, it's honestly, it's hard to tell if this guy is playing a practical joke himself or if he's actually serious as, as is the case with a lot of these videos, but you know, I'll leave it to you to be the judge. So that's, that's the Hodag and I'm really upset that I had to follow Tessie with it, but take us home with the Mothman. All right. So Mothman is fascinating. It takes place in West Virginia in a town called Point Pleasant, originating back in 1966. And it has since been written into a a book that was turned into a movie called The Mothman Prophecies, released in 2002, which is a 52 on Rotten Tomatoes. A couple things really quick. West Virginia, um, Point Pleasant is around this area called TNT, uh, where it was a abandoned munitions factory dating back to world war ii so there's a lot of tunnels and bunkers that have been caved in and a lot of just random shit that's desolate um surrounding there now is a wildlife sanctuary um so it's just kind of some some flavor to throw in there uh the mothman is a human moth hybrid thing that is closer to an owl uh, than a moth um, but let, let's jump into the sightings and then we can kind of circle back on some of the other fun stuff so the myth originates back in november 12th of 1966 five dudes were in a cemetery digging a grave when the mothman a quote brown winged creature took off from nearby trees the guys weren't sure what they saw but one of them was damn sure it was human-like There were sightings all over West Virginia, but like I said, largely around that TNT area. A few days after the cemetery dudes, a couple young couples, so four young people, were driving around and saw glowing red eyes next to a power plant. It was, quote, frankly human, and it was seven feet tall with wings folded against its back. Now, the driver of this car took off back into town, and this thing flew up and pursued them at over 100 miles an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm sensing a theme with speed in your cryptids. This one I kind of believe, um, mm. the speed-wise, unlike Tessie, but uh, we'll, we'll revisit um, that. But So the, these, these couples get back into a town, they calm down, and basically talk themselves into, we didn't really see anything, it was just a large bird. So straight out of a slasher movie, they decide to go back. And this thing is sitting on the side of Route 62, waiting for them. And so then it chases them again. They freak out this time, go straight to the cops, who then search the area and come back empty-handed. Now, this led to the local press running a story about the Mothman, which drove tons of reported sightings. Over the next 13 months, around 100 sightings were reported of the Mothman. And one thing that's kind of interesting, witnesses were harassed by, quote, men in black who told them to keep quiet about the creature. Government conspiracy? Maybe they're messing around with some hybridization? 
maybe this is the human fly come to life. I mean, that's like that's in line with some other government conspiracy myths like the, uh, the, like the chupacabra. chupacabra. What's really fascinating is this happened over 13 months and then the Mothman disappeared. What happened at the end of the 13 months, you ask? It, this whole thing culminated in the Silver Bridge collapsing. Now, the Silver Bridge joined Point Pleasant, right? Point Pleasant? Make sure that's right. Yeah, Point Pleasant with a town in Ohio. When it collapsed, 46 people died. There were no more sightings of the Mothman. There are a lot of theories out there that the Mothman is a herald of disaster. There was a mine in Germany outside of Frankfurt where the Mothman scared miners away and it subsequently collapsed. So that saved the miners' lives. Before Chernobyl collapsed, a Mothman was spotted in the surrounding areas. And here's the crazy thing, Ashton. Two pictures were taken in New York City on 9-11 of a Mothman. Now, what's interesting, he's not really moth-like. Um, that comes from the local press. That was just the name they gave him. Um, he's very similar to the Owlman cryptid in Cornwall, England. So like you had talked about the, uh, the jackalope having an, a European cousin, uh, these two are very similar and could be the same cryptid. Allegedly seeing the Mothman triggers extreme fear and psychological distress for like years. And then, well, it's kind of funny, uh, as we talk about how pretty much all of these cryptids have been monetized, uh, there's a giant museum and a Mothman statue outside of Point Pleasant. And the Mothman statue looks a lot like the main character from Watchmen, Owlboy or whatever. Like, it's kind of funny. And then on, on top of that, Point Pleasant has a Mothman festival the third week of every September. Obviously, except for this year, which they've canceled. He's also in Fallout 76. So, Herald of Disaster tries to save people, chases people off. Just, it, it's crazy shit, man. I, I have a feeling this was a government experiment about kind of um, future prophecies and being able to, you know, ESP and see what's going to happen in the future gone wrong and this creature got away after a you know horrible experiment that transformed him and he's out there doing his damnedest to you know protect us or what if these disasters john are the government trying to get rid of the mothman like they just happened to chase him onto the bridge and they had to blow him up so what you're telling me is 9-11 george bush did it and it's a government conspiracy Oh man, I'm just, I'm not touching just, that one. You I'm just, not touching the, you just walked we right into know. it. You said the government's trying to kill the Mothman. Uh, when we go into government conspiracies, man, that's when we get the weirdos on the show. <laughs> With the exception of Benjamin Radford, that guy's rad. He's rad as hell. Yeah, he's Radford. I mean, yeah, he's Benjamin Radford, and he also, uh, you know, debunks government conspiracies. So, you know, slightly different. But yeah, I really like the Mothman. Um, it looks creepy as hell. It looks yeah, creepy hot, hot as fucking hell. Um, we'll post a picture on Instagram. We've posted a silhouette up to now, but I'll post an actual picture of the Mothman, but whew, that is nightmare fuel. And I mean, if you saw something like that with glowing red eyes, yeah, I see why he would have extreme psychosis. Like, yeah, no doubt. Shit. But I do think it's interesting that we have kind of a cryptid mascot of West Virginia, North California, 
Wyoming and Wisconsin. And it's really interesting how, you know, and even New Jersey has the Jersey devil, you know, you've got things like that where the, the American cryptids, people really attach to them and maybe it's just capitalism. And yeah, I mean, it might, it might honestly be because like we've attached a Sasquatch here on the West coast, right? Yeah. I mean, what's his face? Um, Mel Brooks's son, Max Brooks wrote a book about, you know, the Sasquatch massacre in Mount Rainier. And that's just, yeah. Is it good? Did you read it? Yeah, I did. Um, it was short. I thought it was okay. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not something I'd read again. Yeah, okay. It was, it was all right. It, it was really cool that he put a ton of research and, and thought into it. Like, I think I read an, an AMA on Reddit where like every tool that he describes, he built himself and like he went to the site in person where he said the town was and all that kind of stuff. And it's cool, but it's just like, the story was all right. You know, yeah. it wasn't like world war Z where, you know, world war Z was fucking awesome. And you had all of these anecdotes and I loved that they had a dog squadron that learned to fight zombies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. World war Z was, that was, that was amazing. That was some really good literature. Oh, all right. So at the end of, at the end of cryptid Royale, we do a couple of, a uh, couple of rankings here. So first of all, let's rank them from least realistic to most realistic and give a truth or bullshit ranking. Um, I'll go first. So I think at the bottom of the totem pole is the hodag. Um, because, you know, we have evidence that it was that it was a puppet. Followed by the jackalope. Because the people who created the jackalope said they created the jackalope. But like, you know, maybe there was those tumor rabbits, right? So that's a thing. Then, then I'm going to go with Mothman because he sounds a little bit like a conspiracy. By the way, Hodag and Jackalope are bullshit. Uh, Mothman, I'm going to call bullshit on as well, but I really like the story behind it. And then Tessie, I'm going to call that one of the more plausible myths that we've heard. Obviously, 60 miles an hour in the water is bullshit. Like, even a, a sailfish makes 68 miles an hour, and I think that's the fastest fish in the world. Again, though, I And it I looks like a bullet. That- I attribute that more to these two drunk assholes who were like, oh, God, yeah, they don't know but, how fast a boat goes. And, you know, and I think we've said before on this podcast that like late cryptids are I mean, our last cryptid royale was cryptids of the deep. And I think that sea and late cryptids are just way more believable because the, there's so much that we can't see. And, you know, I love that Jacques Cousteau story like that's fucking that's that's the tits. I am going to look into that so hard and we should do an entire episode on it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I'm, I'm pretty aligned with you, except I actually put the jackalope at the bottom of the barrel. Um, <laughs> I think the hodag uh, is something that just because you know, one witness of it says it was fake. We don't actually know, but yeah, I mean the creator of the jackalope said I created the jackalope and this is what it was. Um, Mothman, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. I guess it's a good thing we haven't seen any reports of Mothman lately. Otherwise, that's really bad. Where was he in 2016, Mothman? Where were you? Where were you? Yeah. Um, dude, where, dude, where was Mothman in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> like, was he the herald of this entire goddamn year? Dude, no, Mothman was, as soon as he got halfway to one location, he had to turn around and go to another. Yep. <sighs> he tried to start in Iraq. And then God. he had to go to Australia and then he had to go to China. And then that poor guy, his wings are probably falling off. Um, and then, yeah. Iran, by the way, Iran. Oh, not Iraq. Apologies. Apologies. Yeah, we've, we've already had one war, you know? 
what's another in, in in a in a country that is one one consonant different but still like fucking yeah no mothman would have would have had his hands full here but anyway and then yeah tessie is obviously the most realistic um i love the concept of being in lake tahoe i'm really in, i'm really fascinated that Jacques Cousteau is the only one who's done deep dives into Tahoe. Like, where's James Cameron? Did he do into Tahoe? I, I'm just saying he should. Like, where is James Cameron? He's the one who builds all this deep diving tech. Yeah, and I mean, dude, you're not even diving that deep. You're diving half a mile down. Yeah, and he's like, he's busy breaking records in the ocean. Maybe he just doesn't want to see all the bodies. That's what I'm thinking. Or, you know, the the grandsons of the mob bosses who put all those bodies there, being you know just very on top of it and. You know, maybe there's wreckage of a bunch of submarines down there from, you know, Tessie blowing them all up. But anyway, I think Tessie's realistic. I do not believe in the inner inner lake tunnels. Um, I just think that's bullshit, but who knows? Inter- so interdimensional tunnels, I'll say no to. Inner lake tunnels, I will say yes, just because aquifers exist. Yeah, like, but... I think it's it's, it's, it's possible. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it's it's plausible, but it's possible. Dude, that would be a really long fucking tunnel, though. Yeah, it would be. It would be. But yeah, <sighs> um, now, I think our next segment is which one of these cryptids would win in a fight. Um, yeah, and that's tough. <laughs> you know, it is tough because, like, Tessie can't really do anything outside of water. Yeah. But I also think the Mothman could come down from above and fuck shit I up. I mean, Mothman, he, like, it just heralds disaster. <laughs> I but feel like that's... But That's just like the like, winner right there. I mean, you say that, but the Modag is a born Hodag. killer. The Hodag is a born fucking killer. Yeah, fire like, breathing, fire breathing killer, and and so that's what I'm kind of leaning. I, I'm I'm thinking Tessie Hodag Mothman, and then the Jackalope's just a fucking doormat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, Jackalope is is fucking toast for sure. I'm gonna go ahead and put Mothman at the top of the list. Just because he's a herald of the fucking apocalypse. And, uh, you know, like, who knows what happens when he shows up. And then... Okay, just because you wrote a book similar to that, that's the only reason you're putting him up there. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Chad and Mothman are so similar. Yeah, dude. Mm. I'm just saying, because Mothman has You should throw a Mothman in that book. Oh my god, you should. I'm going to have Chad drunkenly see a Mothman. I'm I'm making a note. I'm, I'm throwing it in the book. It's happening. I fucking love it. God. Yeah, it'll just be like a one-liner, but it's going in now. And then, so, yeah. Mothman, Tessie, Hodag, Jackalope. Easy peasy. As far as which one's my favorite, like, hot damn, it's Tessie by, like, a goddamn mile. And it's just because there's so many cool things, like, around the fringes of that myth. Like, Lake Monster, whatever. But I think that the the lore surrounding Tessie is so damn cool. Yeah. Um, that's tough. I'm definitely torn between Tessie and the Mothman, but I'm more inclined to say Tessie just because it's so much more tangible. Yeah. I've driven through Tahoe so many times. Like, it, and that lake is fucking massive. Yeah, it's deep. It's deep and it's massive and it's cold and Tessie. Tessie's cool as shit, man. Well, so let's see. We are, I mean, man, this is going to be a long episode. Good good for you for listening through to this point if you're still here with us. Thank you. You know, well, they listened to two seasons of our bullshit, so. That's a good point. What's well, an extra point. 15 minutes this episode? We really appreciate it, you know. So let's talk about what's happening with season three. So, off the rails. Off the rails. Somebody accused us in a review that we had already gone off the rails, and I beg to differ. We, we have yet to even 
you know, like get one wheel off the rails. I think we're going to go fully off the rails next season. I, you know, we're just going to cover a bunch of, a bunch of weird shit. I want to cover Skinwalker Ranch. Like I want to do an entire episode on that. Not even sure if it's a cryptid, but it's, it's pretty cool. Maybe it has some Wendigo tie-ins. I hey, don't know. what you wish for, man. I want to cover Leprechauns. And I mean the cryptid mm. and the movies. Mm, I like that. I like that. Combined, we could do a cinema decrypted on Leprechaun. We could do a joint thing, because I don't think there's going to be too much about Leprechauns themselves, but we could absolutely, even if we do just the first half on the myth, and then the second half on the first movie, we'll say, because there are a lot of Leprechaun movies. I wonder if we can get modern day sightings of Leprechauns. I don't even know if that's a thing. But if you have any suggestions for us of what you think we should cover in season three, please like hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up anywhere, Reddit, you know, wherever you're, wherever you're doing this. We got some of our best suggestions from Reddit and Twitter this season. Like the Wendigo was suggested by somebody. Uh, Macaulay and Bembe was suggested by Fossil Rex Jaw, who's a longtime listener that I, I met on Reddit. We got the Loveland Frog through that. Yeah, we got the Loveland Frog. That was from Nick Dorsey, uh, who's a, a fellow writer. That's pretty. He's 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 incredible. You should you should check him out. He's real Nick Dorsey on Twitter. Hey, if you guys don't give us suggestions, we're gonna be doing shit like Casper the Friendly Ghost. So yeah, yeah, you know. So uh, that will be cinema decrypted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's it for now. Like end of season two, it's in the bag. Thank you for listening. We're going we're gonna to take a break, but I will continue to post stuff about when season three is coming. I'm hoping that I can line up some more interviews, but I'll be honest, uh, it's, it's, it's getting harder. We, we, we hit so well with the first few interviews. like We had some really huge guests, and it kind of left us nowhere to go but down. Uh, one of these days, I'm really hoping to track down Lauren Coleman, uh, but you know, we'll see where we can get. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As we said, we're going to be going on a quick break before we start Season 3. i tell you how long it's going to be, but, you know, I honestly don't know. I'm going to be moving in the next two weeks, and, uh, you know, probably sometime after I get the, the recording station set up in the new house, we'll start Season 3. Again, if you have suggestions for what we should cover in our off-the-rails season, please let us know. Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, wherever. Someplace that you can shout, and we might hear you. And, you know, hey, we, we love the suggestions. If you're looking for another way to support the podcast, uh, please go buy my books. I've got two out now. There's a third one on the way. All you have to do is search Ashton McCauley on Amazon and they will pop up. They are Whiteout and A Man of the Mountain. They're all about monster hunting. It's a good time. I really have fun writing them and people seem to enjoy reading them. So thanks for your support. We'll see you for season three.